Welcome back to Rule 8 Politics, where we always tell the truth, or at least we don't lie. My name is Jeremy Sammons. I am joined today here with Zachary Sacker. Today is November the 8th. It is Sunday. So yesterday, as I'm sure you're all aware, the election was decided and uh, it was called for Joe Biden. So Zach, how are you feeling today? I feel very well. Um, I'm glad it's all over. I, I feel like this this election was a marathon and it's finally over. It's time to uh, recuperate and get ready for the next fight, I suppose. <laughs> January. Um, you know, the uh, really interesting results, which I'm sure we'll get to, but basically Joe Biden won, as you just said, but also Republicans gained seats in Congress. Um, it looks like they may hold on to the Senate, even though they did lose at least one, possibly two seats. But um, they 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 looks like they're going to hold on to the Senate. Um, that will be decided in uh, in January. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, but they gained seats in the House. People voted for a return to normalcy for gridlock. I think they don't want, you know. Trump stoking the flames, but they also don't want chaos in our streets. Right. You know, people don't want to defund the police and, you know, all this crazy stuff that that people to the left of Joe are, are trying to push. So, you know, I, I think we have eternal normalcy, stability, uh, and, and that's a good thing right now. We need to catch our breaths. Yeah, I think I was a little intellectually dishonest in how I was approaching this election kind of nihilistically, you know, like I, I didn't allow myself to really care, right? Like I, I kind of told myself that regardless of the outcome, like it didn't matter if Biden won, it didn't matter if Trump won, but when it finally got called, I, I really, <laughs> I, I realized how much this election did matter to me and how relieved I was when, when Joe won. Um, and I think, I, I think it doesn't really change how I feel about Joe Biden and his administration, what they're bringing to the table. But it, my God, I am, I'm so relieved at, uh, at the outcome. And I, I'm, I, I will allow myself to feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Joe Biden represents the establishment. He is as establishment as it gets. He's, been in office of one form or another for i believe 47 years it's a long ass time yeah um the establishment is what gave us donald trump um you know jobs being shipped overseas and people losing their livelihoods you know we have massive you know drug ad addiction problems in this country and uh you know i i a lot of that has to do with bad trade deals and whatnot. A lot of the, the reasons why Trump was elected in the first place, they still exist. And I don't necessarily think the establishment is the answer to that, but we collectively needed to catch our breath for a sec and try to figure out what is the right direction for this country. Um, I think Trump kind of, made us all aware that there are some some very uh, uh, large problems that exist that need to need the attention of the government but Trump didn't necessarily have the correct answers um, I, and you know I hope Joe Biden you know Joe Biden has the chance to be one of the greatest presidents ever Okay, Donald Trump had the same chance when he first took office, to be fair. Um, Trump didn't live up to that. Joe Biden hasn't, his term hasn't started yet. He has that chance. He has that opportunity. Um, and uh, I think what people voted for was stability, as I've been saying, but also compromise. They want the two sides to work together. This was not a, a big blue wave. You know, people were not voting overwhelmingly for left-wing policies. They were voting for, come on, guys, work together, lower the temperature a little bit. And that's really what I'm, I'm hoping we get. Um, but 
I don't think we're going to see the kinds of fundamental transformation that um, I do think we may need to address some of the serious problems that got Donald Trump elected. So long term, I, I don't think, uh, you know, the a Joe Biden presidency is going to be, uh, you know, all that great. We still have those long term um, trends that are that resulted in someone like Donald Trump. But in the short term, um, things were getting really chaotic here and we were able to at least hit the brakes and collectively catch our breath. So uh, how much voter fraud do you think occurred this election cycle? You know, I, I don't think much. I mean, there's maybe, you know, maybe there was some, there probably was some, but enough to change the outcome. No, you know, Trump is grasping at straws. And I think, I think a lot of, I think the concerns of a lot of people are, myself included, um, unfortunately, are going to be, be going to be proven correct. I think Trump is going to do whatever he can to stay in the White House. And uh, it, we're really going to get pushed to the brink within the next few weeks. The next few months, as to say, I should say, going up to inauguration day. Um, you know, everyone right now may be parading and partying in the streets, despite COVID. Uh, but I, I don't think this is over. This is not over. We we have there's more to come. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it probably will be two weeks. Like if things are really going to explode, like people expect them to, or I should say, some people expect them to. That will probably be yeah in the trajectory of like two weeks to a month from now. Um, that'll be if, uh, especially if uh, I mean I can't think of a scenario of where the Trump administration actually brings a case that reaches the Supreme Court that is valid and the court rules in Trump's favor. But if if some if Trump somehow does steal the election away from the electoral college to re to you know maintain power. That is when it explodes. Like, I, I don't see, I mean, yeah. I don't think Biden could be the one that could instigate for this to be pushed over the cliff, right? Like, I don't, I, right. I, I don't think he really has the, because he doesn't have the power. He's not the one in office. You know, he's not the one that has to concede. If, I mean, Trump could really, I mean, spin this whole thing out of control. Even, let, let's say, I guess if the uh, Supreme Court rules against the Trump administration and he decides to not go with the Supreme Court, you know, and, and yeah. try to defy their ruling, mm -hmm. that's when it blows up. And that's where we enter, like, that'd be uncharted territory. We really don't know what would happen in that scenario. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, the Supreme Court has made its decision. Now let them enforce it. I mean, that was a Jackson quote. And Jackson, as we know, is one of Trump's role models. He's one of his favorite presidents, if not his favorite. I, I, I could easily see Trump just saying, screw you. Uh, I was, I won. If you count all the legal votes, if you count the illegal votes, uh, Joe Biden wins, but can't count illegal votes, you know? And, and yeah, I could see him really just making things spin out of control. Um, you know, we're speculating here. I mean, hopefully this this doesn't happen. Uh, but I mean, there's a chance that the Democrats could pursue legal charges against Trump once he's out of office. So, I mean, Trump may be thinking if he has to leave the White House, he's probably going to jail. So uh, at that point, why not just give it all he can? You know, why not fight tooth and nail? You know, and I, I don't know. I can even see him continuing to like, I guess now we're getting into a uh, post inauguration day. Um, but I, I could see Trump just continuing to hold rallies and pretend he's the president and continuously campaigning to be president. And <clears throat> yeah, you're right. You know, I never you know, even thought of that possibility. Yeah. yeah. I, I had not. Yeah, I, had I not mean, the guy loves, that. he loves the rally. He loves rallying. I mean, that's, you know, 
that's what he does. Uh, it's yeah, it, I can it, see it, him. It, that's such a fascinating thing to fascinating thing to consider. If 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 everything you know goes Biden's way, and including the, you know the Supreme Court and all these rulings, and Trump still pretends he's a president and holds a rally. I wonder how many thousands of people would show up because it would be numbered in the thousands. Mm-hmm. Trump, he, he likes to say that he started a movement and, you know, I, I kind of agree with that. There are fanatical Trump supporters out there and he's a showman. They love going to his rallies. They're fun to watch. I, I've watched some on TV. They're amusing. And, uh, you know, he's a salesman. And what better way to sell hats and shirts than, you know, holding events. So he's, he's going to continue to do that. And he, what's that, what that's going to do is even though he's out of office, it's going to kind of solidify his grip on the Republican party because he's going to be able to basically sick the dogs on whatever Republican, who he doesn't like you know yeah so i i mean you know if there's a a republican running for uh, senate in arizona and uh trump uh doesn't like that person he'll support a a primary challenger just as an example and uh you know trump's got the attention he's got uh i mean that could change twitter could block him after uh he's out of office um because their rules are they don't, I mean, they've been censoring Trump. They've been putting notifications around it, um, but they won't ban public officials. Right. Once Trump's out of office, if he continues to tweet things that aren't correct, they very well and probably will ban him. I actually bet he gets banned within his first week. <laughs> but I mean, he's he still has his, he's got his own internal means of communicating. And, and if anything, that's it, it's possibly more dangerous with him not being on Twitter for us all to see, but being able to communicate with his supporters directly. Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so the, I'm, I'm thinking the, yeah, go ahead. You're fine, man. Yeah, the, uh, the campaign <laughs> has been, has been, uh, has hammering uh, their, uh, their support base uh, for, for donations. So like today it's been like every 90 minutes you get a new notification saying like this bullshit about your donation. We've matched a thousand percent. That's what they say. Every mm-hmm. fucking text message will match it a thousand percent. It's completely. What does that fucking... even mean? You know, yeah. like... <laughs> oh, here we go. It's a, uh, uh, we are, de- we are demanding a recount in Wisconsin immediately. President Trump is calling on you to give us the resources to fight back 1000% match. <laughs> we must protect the election. Oh, th- oh, this is from, this is from Don jr. We must protect the election. My father is calling on you. Oh shit. Just played down on me. I'm sorry. My father's calling on you to help bolster our crucial election defense fund. A thousand percent match. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, it's every um, 90 minutes. That's 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 insane. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, this election really is not over. You know, there's going to be court cases and, and litigation. We have to see how it goes. I, I don't see I'm not a legal expert, but I, I don't see, it, you know, Trump being able to pull this off. He would have to the results would have to change in multiple states. Right. right. This is not just he flips one state and, and all of a sudden he he's got enough electoral votes. It would have to be multiple states. He would have to overturn the, uh, you know, the way the votes were counted, basically. Right. Um, and if, and if there so was, I, all this, I, I just don't I don't see it happening. No, there's no way. And if there was all this election fraud, we wouldn't have, I say we the Democrats wouldn't have lost seats in the House. We would have won the Senate. Like if we're if we're going to. Mm-hmm. fucking rig an election you would really rig it in your favor all the way down yeah yeah no this this was you had a lot of the never trumper type republicans out there who uh in 2016 might have voted third party or wrote in someone else's name or didn't vote 
given the, the polarization that we have today, there were much less third party and independent voters. Most people picked a side and a lot of those, there were a lot of Republicans who ended up voting for Joe Biden and then Republicans down ballot. Um, that's what I, I really think happened. Um, but Donald Trump did earn more votes, a lot more votes this time around than he did in 2016. Yeah. His movement did grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it grew among non-white voters mostly, which is very interesting. Um, you know, the, the last people, if you listen to the mainstream narrative, you know, Trump's the racist, he's the, you know, the, the boogeyman and all this. Um, you know, why did more um, black and Latino people go for Trump this time around versus in 2016? That's something that, you know, the Republican Party really needs to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. At the, uh, when I was looking at those metrics, um, yeah, the only sector in which he underperformed was white men. Yeah, he over mm-hmm. overperformed with blacks, overperformed with Hispanics, overperformed with LGBTQ, LGBTQ. I mean, that's a huge win. Yeah. Like that in itself is a is mm-hmm. a victory that the conservative party needs to figure out what they're going to do to how to retain that. Yeah. Um, but they also they need to retain those uh those white men that defected and you look at the states that really uh, put it over the top for Joe Biden. It was the same states that basically won it for Trump in 2016, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, you know, those Rust Belt states um, that traditionally were democratic states, but somehow Trump flipped them in 2016 um, with having that working class message. That is something that the, you know, I mean, we're, we're facing our, our demographics are changing in this country, and that's kind of going against what the Republican Party is for the most part. Uh, but if they are able to have a working class message and, you know, win in those Rust Belt areas, uh, the Republican Party would have a winning message moving forward. You know, you just. You get so if you replace Trump with somebody who doesn't lie, who doesn't, you know, use hyperbole all the time, who actually relies on facts and data, but has a working class message, that's that's a winning message in my mm-hmm. opinion, yeah. um, and that's something that both the Democrats and the Republicans need to figure. Both parties, in order to win, need to be working class parties, um, giving the uh, the uh, the wealth disparity in this nation right now. You know, you can't just be a party for the rich elites because, you know, there there's not that many of them. You know, most people are towards the bottom, the middle bottom, you know, and and when an, an election is based on whoever has the most votes, theoretically, you know, you got to be targeting the bulk of the people. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, who you sound like when you talk about those subjects, who you sound like most like to me is Josh Hawley. You know, uh, Josh Hawley is the uh, senator in my state, Missouri, but he's got an incredibly yeah. polished, populist message that I think perfectly kind of represents what what what, uh, what Trumpism was, but he actually understood the ramifications of like what you can actually do when you wield that level of power, like I say, you know, if Trump came into office mm-hmm. and he basically just blew it because he, you know, he didn't know what he was doing. But I think someone like how, well, I, I think, right. well, let me say this. I think, I think the three people that are going to shape the, the future of the Republican party. Well, two for sure. Uh, that'll be Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. And I think, mm-hmm. I think the third one is Nikki Haley. I, I think that's like the three, I think that's the three people to pay attention to and in terms of like what direction the, uh, the party goes. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I think Donald Trump is still going to play a very central role to it, unfortunately. Um, um, and, and there's going to be this battle, I think, between the Trump Republicans and non-Trump Republicans. Basically what we've been having, uh, except Trump's going to be out of office 
and fully focused on campaigning, you know, essentially, I think he's going to start campaigning already for 2024, <laughs> but he could run again. Yeah. Either him or if not him, it will be a Trump surrogate, you know, either one of his sons or Ivanka, Jared Kushner, even, um, or someone else that, you know, Trump wants to run. Um, and I think that's going to be his, his end game. It's just maintain his grip on his supporters on that part of the Republican party. Um, you know, I would like to see somebody else really become the leader of the Republican party and kind of move away from Trumpism, at least the negative aspects of it. Um, keep that working class message and appeal uh, just, you know, lose I already said the lies, the bombacity and, and so on and so on. That's that's how the Republican Party can win. Yeah, so, but yeah. you know, so, you got they gotta they gotta declare their independence from Donald Trump. That's yes. gonna be very difficult to do. Yeah. At the, uh, so I, I put together a bit of a a political wish list of what I want from the Republican Party going forward. And this is all stuff that's really extracted from the Halley campaign. Maybe it's not so explicitly said, but I really think this is like the essence of what he runs for and why this needs to be the, the platform that's adopted. We, uh, so this is like the core of what it means. I guess so the core of what it would be to be a Republican. So mm -hmm. I, I want a party that rails against income equality. I also want a party that rejects the bias towards giant co corporations and the winner-take-all concentration of wealth. Embrace the civic value of labor unions. Does something about the inaccessibility of higher education. And acknowledge the fact that their policies for free market economics and social con conservatism has had a negative impact on the middle and working class. Like that should be the platform. Just like the, the, yeah. you know, the, the Bush era politics failure, long, Reagan economics, long-term failure, Trump politics, economic policy failure. And I think if they, if they just hammer that stuff home and it, like, like the winning message, like if you want to get this out and make it land with people, uh, um, Part of your platform, you have to acknowledge the fact that 70% of American wealth is held by the top 10% of households. The Trump tax bill uh, resulted in, in large companies that have enjoyed 0% effective tax rate while making few investments in its workers. And because of that, we've still, we've lost our companies moving jobs overseas. We've lost out uh, on them hiring workers where they've, they've taken that that tax money and hired more workers, but at, at an even lower wage. And now we can't, now that, that we've given them a 0% tax rate, well, then we get nothing back from it whatsoever. They, yeah. you know, they, they were the change. only ones that benefited. And so while this stuff might, this sounds like it's coming from the left a little bit, right? But no, like this is all from the Holly campaign. And this is why I think he's such a, a great, a great candidate. I think yeah, everything I, I else. Gotta, I gotta, yeah. every, everything else. I gotta look can, into him more. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of any other Republican that mentions, you know, the the oligarchs that run this, you know, that run this country, right? And he's the only Republican who I yeah. know who uses uses that term. Um, so I, I think. Oh, go ahead. He he wasn't up for a reelection this this time around, right? No. No. Okay. Do you know when his next election is or re-election? Uh, I think it'll be 2022. Okay. I believe, or maybe, so or 2022 up. or 2024. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just, just curious. But yeah, he's it's a definitely bad someone I got to research more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, it's a cool. I, I disagree with the guy on a lot of cultural issues. Like he's, uh, he's still, I might, maybe he's, he's, you know, he's came around, but, Last time I was looking at him, he he was still against gay marriage, um, which is like it's a, I mean it's hard to be that in 2020, right? Um, but I, right, I think right. um, that's really kind of it. I mean that's uh, you know his his stances on abortion. I mean he's hardcore pro life. 
Um, he was mm-hmm. one of, uh, there was some, some, I can't, uh, I can't remember the, who they were trying to nominate into what particular position, but he was a Republican who voted against a Trump uh, appointed nominee because they, in his opinion, they were not pro-life enough. So, I mean, wow. I got, <laughs> he, yeah, he is pretty he's definitely an anti Roe v. Wade type mm-hmm. dude and he, he means it. Mm-hmm. 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 But I think that kind of shit can go on the back burner. Like if, if uh, as long as you right. have a, a platform that resonates with the working class people that it correctly identifies the problems that everyday people experience and pro- provide some kind of relief to those things, that's, I mean, that's what's right for the party. That's what's right for the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But yeah, I mean, it's, oh, it's very it's, interesting. It's, yeah, um, I, I mean, gun rights, immigration, all that shit. That's, that's definitely not what matters right now. Right. Uh, that's like, um, like, unless you're really one of those people that think the government's going to come take your guns and open the borders in the middle of mm-hmm. a pandemic. Um <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's well. That's not what people care about. Now, Trump did win. Trump did win by saying we're going to build a wall. Yeah. So, I do think the immigration nut is something that needs to be cracked somehow. You know, that's something that is a problem that definitely needs a solution. Um, I don't necessarily think that open borders is the solution. I don't really think. Building a wall is a solution, you know. I think the new Republican Party needs to take on the issue of immigration head on because it it needs to kind of rebrand it after Trump's immigration policies, you know, and the way he framed immigration. You know, the Mexicans aren't giving us their best. They're sending rapists and murderers, and the Republican Party needs to get away from that. So... In order to do that, they need to take immigration head on and, and come up with some good solutions that both the left and the right can get behind. Um, yeah. How do you do that? That's the question. That's the million right. dollar question. I, right. I think the way you do it is, well, you, you, lay out the, you know, lay out the facts that with lower immigration, it actually increases wages here domestically. And that if you have, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then you tie, you tie together immigrants, illegal immigration, you tie that together with human trafficking. And then it, it kind of yeah. it comes harder to defend, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, once the once the argument leaves, you know, the discussion of, of asylum, that's where it definitely gets trickier, right? Um, right. I, yeah, um, I, I think, asylum you know, seekers, though, you know, we we definitely got to help them out. You know, we can't be. Again, we're talking about the Republican Party here. The Republican Party should not be an anti-refugee party. That just sounds cruel. And it's against the the ideals, really, of, of the country. I mean, we are a country of immigrants. Um, everybody, unless... Unless you're, you're, unless you're Native American or the direct descendants of slavery, everybody in this country, their ancestors came here seeking opportunity, right? And it's no different than the people coming up from the south of the border right now. At the same time, though, we've got to recognize the more immigration we have, the worse that is for wages here. Um, there needs a way to be there needs to be a way to thread that needle where you know we are a welcoming country that accepts refugees but also somewhat controls the flow of immigrants as to not cause wages the crater um and it's not you know there are so many other reasons why wages have been stagnant basically since the 70s when you take into account inflation and um and and uh gdp growth um wages have basically been stagnant for about 40 50 years now um it's not just immigration though it's offshoring it's automation artificial intelligence um and those factors probably play a much larger role than immigration that's the truth but immigration is always going to be the easiest thing to the scapegoat and you know if we don't address those problems and 
you know, we have to make sure that, you know, we're not going to cause, a, you know, an influx of immigrant of immigration to kind of become this, the scape, scapegoat. Um, and that's in part of why we had Donald Trump in the first place was because, you know, he, he looked at the stagnant wages. He looked at the factories closing down and he, you know, connected it to immigrants and they became a scapegoat in a way. Um, so the Republican party needs to thread that needle somehow. Um, yeah, which, yeah, which, yeah, possible, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I do have a possible idea. Um, sure. we should, I think the Republican party, just bear with me here, should push for making English the national official language. But anybody who wants to come to the United States, you're more than welcome. You just have to learn the language. And that way, you know, if you're fleeing violence in, in El Salvador, you have a pathway here. Um, but we just want you to, to Americanize, um, learn the language, um, have a, you know, maybe take a civics class, understand how our government works. You, you know, we want people to participate in our democracy as well. Um, and I think communication is key. People need to be able to communicate with each other. You know, a, a country, I think, cannot stand long term if its people are not able to communicate. So I think, I think everyone should know English and be able to read our founding documents, which were written in English. Um, we need to be welcoming of other people, though. It kind of threads that needle. It also throttles it a little bit where if you really don't want to do the work, well, you know, you, you, you don't come then if that's the, if that's the, uh, the case. Um, but anyone who is fleeing danger can come. And, um, and uh, you know, I don't think it's that, that big of a deal, to be honest with you. Well, what's your reaction to that? Um, yeah, I, I think it's the, I think you're correct. Um, however, I think, I just think that like, especially when it comes to the issue with uh, asylum and all that, well then, you know, if, if you're an asylum seeker, well, all that shit goes out the window, right? Well, no, I mean, you can still, if you make, if you make an honest effort to, to learn the language, you could do it here. You know, I, I just, you know, I think a lot of people are concerned that, you know, mass immigration is going to result in a changing of our overall culture. And um, some aspects, change is good. Um, I freaking love Mexican food. All right. I, 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 I love it. I, I live in Texas. We have great Mexican food here. I'm super thankful that we have a lot of Hispanics uh, around where I live. Um, but I think that left unchecked, people don't want their communities all of a sudden no longer speaking the language, you know? Um, um, we, okay, white people essentially replaced the Native Americans in North America. And I think hindsight, that was kind of fucked up what we did, right? We totally took over all the all this land that was here we displaced a ton of people their 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 cultures their burial sites are, are now the sites of like skyscrapers and stuff um and you know i i think people you know there's going to be a resistance to that kind of happening uh, again so to say um um how am I, um, I am not trying to sound like, uh, um, <laughs> you know, this, this sounds very, uh, it, it's nationalistic in a way. I, I, I admit that. Um, but, um, you know, right now in France and in many places in Europe, um, they have a serious problem going on where people are getting their heads cut off for showing the picture of Muhammad, right? There are, that is a very clear cultural clash. Um, I think it's important that 
when people come in, I think we should be, uh, you know, welcoming of people, but I also think it's important that they Americanize and adopt our values and learning the language is a part of that, right? Um, and, and I just don't, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people want to become a country where all of a sudden English is the secondary language and another language has replaced it. And the very fear of re replacement theory, which a lot of people on the alt-right, I'm not advocating for replacement theory, but a lot of the people on the alt-right think this way. And I think it was the, the appeal to Donald Trump to an extent um, that if we don't somehow um, control immigration or what I'm advocating for is just make sure people Americanize, uh, that adds fuel to the whole replacement theory argument, um, which really, um, there is a lot of hate in there if, if you really, you know, um, I, I don't know. I'm just going to stop talking for a sec and <laughs> let you respond to all the shit that I just just threw out there. Um, yeah, I mean, and uh, yeah. man, I'm going to get myself in trouble with this one. I know, uh, but uh... <laughs> I think it'll be all right. No, I, I, I think um, yeah. Overall, like looking at the big picture of what you're talking about, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that probably making English the like the national language is a little lower on my like my priority list but yeah i think mm -hmm. it's definitely like like does it matter yes it absolutely does and should it be probably um to the ex to the extent like when you put it into the context of like when you when you frame it in such a way or a narrative that yeah, if, if you if you don't speak the the majority spoken language in this country yeah, it does create further division and that's something that's yes. important to, to recognize so um we want yeah. all americans to feel like they're all part of the same big happy family and you can't really do that when people can't communicate with each other mm -hmm. so that's that's really my entire point um and, and i i think we should open up the arms and allow more people to join that family but they need to, it, I mean, it's not just English, you know, you should have to um, respect our most basic of values, um, free speech, the freedom to express yourself, um, liberal democracy, okay? You got to believe in liberal democracies. Um, um, what else? Um, the presumption of innocence um, is an important value that I think, the Republican Party really needs to stand strongly behind. I think a lot of these cultural war values um, can really win the Republican Party a lot of points here. Um, I, I, you know, people are getting fired from their jobs left and right because of accusations and stuff. Okay, and we got to take accusations seriously. But if there's no proof to anything, you know, you, right now. The, presu the presumption of innocence is kind of under attack in this country. Um, the Republican Party really should stand um, as a defense against the uh, against the innocent, defend the innocent. That sounds good. Um, and uh, you know, I, am I making sense here? <laughs> no, hundred percent. Yeah, I, 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 the uh, yeah. the. I think where the well, you know, having having Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in office definitely does slow down the uh, the culture war a little bit. Um, you know, if versus if we had a you know Bernie Sanders or a um, people like Nina Turner, you know, elected in office, which we definitely do in the House, especially in the House, and to a certain extent the Senate that yeah that the kind of the radical liberal agenda that is wrapped up in the culture war is something that definitely does need to be stomped out from the party altogether mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that will be very difficult um yeah 
and it's it's not even just regarding um making sure future immigrants share our key values it, it's also education um you know um critical race theory is bad stuff to be teaching our kids it's basically making our kids believe that we are this horrible place you know we are an evil country and and i think that i don't think it is true but it can't be true because that is sowing the deceit the seeds of our destruction you know telling the youth that we're an evil place because if it's evil it's got to be destroyed right so you know we need to have more civics classes um and you know we um really need to make sure that you know these the these first amendment the first amendment type values um freedom of assembly freedom of speech and all that is something that really needs to be taught better in our schooling systems yeah and that's the the uh if the Republican Party, if they can effectively describe and explain why, you know, why CRT and anti-racism and why those things are all like, because, you know, on the on the surface, I mean, I mean, how could you be against anti-racism? What's wrong with you? Right. Like it's mm-hmm. it's until, you know, you, you lift under the veil and under the hood of where you know, the, the problems with that type of thinking become incredibly dangerous especially if, if that type of if that edu- we'll call it quote unquote that type of education be, um, becomes enforced and you know if it's introduced into, mm-hmm. into the public schools if it's int- introduced into a mandatory um, uh, class you have to take in the workforce those are some big big issues that we're going to have to wrestle with here very very soon mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I was. I saw today that on on day one, it's supposed to the legitimacy of the document that was leaked is kind of disputed. But um, at the undoing the CRT ban that Trump passed or, uh, executive order a while back to be one of the day one thing Joe Joe Biden overrules, which uh, I definitely I don't want that kind of shit being shoved down the throats of uh, every yeah. federal employee. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with that. Um, um, what else of uh, the Republican Party? Um, tough on China. It needs to be a tough on China party uh, mm-hmm. because that's jobs, that's economics, that's mm-hmm. bringing the factories back home, and it, it's also standing up for our American values abroad. I mean, they have Uyghurs locked up in camps. We got to speak out loudly against that. Um, I think that's that's very uh, important. Um, <clears throat> the Republican Party should also be a party for a modern government, a more modern government. I mean, this whole issue right now with with the mail-in ballots and Trump is calling fraud and whatnot. Um, we need to digitize. Let's just go digital. I mean, all this stuff could be avoided if we would just if you could just log on to like your 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 citizen portal and vote that way it'd be so much easier and the republican party really could spearhead that especially if so many republicans now think that the game is rigged because that's what trump is saying yeah yeah Um, i think energy independence another big one it's another one yeah i I think these are (laughs) it's like you could almost just open up the 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 andrew yang policy page and Mm -hmm. 90% 90% of it, just adopt that and you have a, a perfect populist platform to run on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think if, uh, if man, if, if I think if, if, if the Republican party just manages to get younger, right. If we can, uh, if they can secure uh, more people that are their thirties and forties and fifties and, and not just be the party of old white dudes for the most part, not mm-hmm. to say that, you know, they're definitely are older, uh, conservatives as well that are from different minority backgrounds and if they can just back away from being the white guy party it'll be huge um there was um what was her name um kim uh kim uh Klasich, you know who i'm talking about 
she uh she Not was sure that that not. black she was that black chick for I, I forget what state but she was um she was a conservative running as a uh oh basically saying that Demo- uh, to, to democrats black lives don't matter uh, she she lost her race but <laughs> i mean uh, but i mean if she was a really good candidate and i don't expect her to disappear from politics anytime soon because she's basically the uh-huh. The, uh, the 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 Republican AOC. Uh huh. Wow. Um, that's that's cool. I'll have to check her out. Um. Of course, the Second Amendment, something big that <laughs> Republicans, you know, the new Republican Party has to has to you know keep as one of its uh, positions. Um, and, patriotism. When the Demo- yeah, but- when the Democrats are tearing down statues, the Demo- uh, Republicans need to defend yeah. those statues, defend the flag. Yeah. Yeah. I think on the if we get back up to the Second Amendment for a second, I think I think all you have to do is maintain the status quo. Like, you don't really have to change yeah. anything. Yeah, exactly. I like, didn't I- really have to mention that even. I'm just looking at the list I have here. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, it's, uh, yeah. There is definitely um, no opportunity for a for a for a Republican to, to run on, um, an assault rifle ban, right? Like that's, that's impossible. It cannot win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely, I mean, you could be a Republican and run on pro-choice, but motherfucker, you better not run as a uh, anti-gun. Right. Right. <laughs> that's a big deal. Um, all right. And, uh, What's what's next? Any other points? Um, talk about just briefly. Um, some some other big wins. Uh, we had uh, big wins from Tuesday. We had Arizona, South Dakota, Montana, New Jersey. Uh, they they voted to legalize marijuana. Oregon. Um, they mm-hmm. they approved um, or voted to allow psilocybin for. Medicinal use. They also voted to, like, I think, decriminalize all drugs, which is major. Um, yeah. Wow. And, and California, mm-hmm. uh, the folks over there, they voted no on Prop 22, which will continue for um, play, uh, companies like Lyft and Uber to consider the people that work for them as contractors and not employees. That narrowly passed, by the way, or it narrowly it was voted against, I should say, rather. And then, um, Yes, and, and in California, they voted yes on Prop 24, which that was about internet privacy and what companies can do with your data. So that was a, there was a, mm-hmm. a lot of big things that happened on Tuesday besides the presidential election that were that were great yeah, for the country. Yeah, yeah, I think DC also, I think DC also uh, voted for legalized uh, psilocybin, um, basically magic mushrooms. Uh, yeah, very interesting times. Um, we had, um, let's see, uh, Corey Gardner uh, out of Colorado was defeated by John Hickenlooper. Um, we mentioned him in our last podcast. Um, Martha McSally was defeated by uh, astronaut Mark Kelly. Yeah. Uh, guy's actually a NASA astronaut, which is pretty cool. And he's also the, the husband of the former representative Gabrielle Giffords. She was yeah. the one who must've been like 10 years ago. She was in that horrible shooting. Um, so mm-hmm. now her husband is now uh, an incoming Senator and um, the Republicans took back a seat in Alabama, which was kind of expected to go back Republican. Alabama is a very red state. Uh, but what happened was <clears throat> this particular seat was held by uh, Doug Jones, who defeated Judge Roy Moore uh, a few oh, years yeah. ago. That was the guy who was uh, basically he was diddling kids and he got caught. And, uh, you know, the people of Alabama have said we can't have a kid diddler. So they actually voted for the Democrat, but they just threw him out. And now they have another Republican uh, coming in. Um, and this new guy, Tommy Tuberville, he's actually a retired college football coach he coached at some pretty big schools auburn texas tech universities of mississippi and cincinnati um so that guy's now a senator um i think we mentioned georgia did we go through that 
not sure. I'm not sure. Um, so basically, um, um, the way things are shaping out to be right now, uh, the Republicans are going to have a slight edge in the Senate, but there are two Senate seats that are going to a runoff and they both happen to be in Georgia. One of them was a special, a special election. Um, and, uh, cause usually you don't have two, two, uh, Senate elections within the same state at the same time. It's a very rare thing. Um, but neither candidate, neither incumbent Republican was able to get, uh, 50% or more of the vote. Um, so they are in, in, for one of those seats, there was a libertarian that got like 2% and that kind of took away um, uh, the, the incumbent um, uh, uh, Purdue, uh, I forget his first name. Um, he wasn't able to get over 50%. So that's going to a runoff. And the other election, there was like four people running, two Democrats, two Republicans. It was pretty split. And now the top two contender, contenders for each seat are squaring off in January for a special election. And basically, I've seen all over Twitter people talking about moving to Georgia to help out the campaign. Uh, I know that's what Andrew Yang is doing, and there's a bunch of people going over. Um, we're going to be hearing nothing but Georgia, Georgia, Georgia for the next few months up until January. It's basically becoming the center of the political universe. Um, and I'm actually hoping despite how I feel about Mitch McConnell, I cannot stand that guy. I kind of hope the Republicans can maintain their majority in the Senate to basically be a check against the Democrats. And, uh, you know, I want the two parties to work together and compromise. Yeah, I feel the same way. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, one thing that's interesting about Georgia is that if you if you do move there, there is no um, length of res residency required before you can register to vote. So day day one, if you move to Georgia, you can go register to vote. Yeah, I you know that's I don't like that to it's be honest. Weird, right? Um, I, I yeah yeah. I mean, because look at it this way. So theoretically, you could have just voted. You know, I could have voted here in Texas for John Cornyn for Senate. And then I could move to Georgia and vote for Sonny Perdue. Uh, I was looking for his name before I just remembered. Um, and technically I would be voting twice for somebody to serve in this next Senate, right? When the Senate, right. you know, uh, when yeah. the new Senate takes over in January, I mean, it's two different States, but I mean, you shouldn't get the, vote for senator twice that doesn't seem right to me right and so like i mean i wonder i wonder how they check on that right yeah. like do you just have to have an address do you have to have a utility bill is it a paycheck like, how do they determine whether or not you're an actual resident of georgia because like if i just get like an airbnb you know hang out there for a while <laughs> like yeah like, am i am i am i considered a georgia resident at that point yeah um, that needs to be uh, definitely looked into. And I mean, there's a chance that, you know, they've just never had this situation. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it was never, there was never really that much of a need to ha have, you know, a specific rule about that. Um, but I don't know, just ethically, it just doesn't sound right to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you wanted to get like, like, super dirty, do some like down and dirty politics, that's what you do right there. You get a whole democratic coalition, you move to Georgia for a day, you overthrow their government and then head back home afterwards. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. I, I, I could see it though. I could see a lot of people, especially, you know, with the, the climate that we have right now, there's a lot of people who think that politics, you know, this, this ongoing war between the Republicans and Democrats is really, uh, a good versus evil type thing. I can see a lot of people, especially being unemployed right now with, with the pandemic, saying, screw it, I'm going to move to Georgia for a little bit and uh, you know, try to help the Democrats. I could see it happening. And then that will further just 
just erode our trust in the democratic process. You know. Yeah, Shit, I guess you know you Trump could just, will be able to say, "Look at Georgia." Right. Yeah. What if you What if you just like you know lived in Georgia for a day and then you know then elect to do a vote by mail or absentee ballot? Like, wonder if that could work, work too. Like, you could just vote from home anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, right. yeah, this, yeah, this is some some fucking tinfoil hat bullshit, but yeah, I guess yeah, they uh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> like the 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 potential exists. Like you know, to what extent? Who, who fucking knows? Probably not much at all. But yeah, you you could if you if you were really committed. Yeah, you 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 could do it, I guess. But I well, can see him. Andrew Yang. Mm-hmm. He's moving. He, he said he's moving there. Does that, yeah. does that mean? Does that right, mean he right. personally is going to participate in the election? I don't know. But yeah, if if you got the if you got the cash to move there, you could. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, wild. Um, and uh, what else did we talk about the future of Donald Trump at all? Oh, we did just uh, briefly. We talked about uh, yeah, we talked about hey, what if he uh, decides not to leave office and kind of pretend he's still the president and hold rallies and how many thousands of people would show up. Um, but yeah, let's get back into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess so. I'll go ahead. You start off. Well, yeah, I I just I think he's going to continue to rally. I mean, that's what he loves to do, and he's just going to, you know, further sow distrust in our system. He's going to basically talk badly about the FBI and and every other institution that we have, and uh, it's really going to do a lot of good work for the Russians basically. And, and, you know, because they want, they want people here not to trust the system. And Trump is going to be saying, don't trust the system. They rigged it against us. They stole the election from us. He's already saying that. And um, I I think, yeah, that's right. We did go into this, um, but uh, I I think it's going to be a real challenge for the Republican party to distance themselves from him because he's already, he's going to hold on to so much support. Um, he, his numbers, he grew the vote for him by 12 and a half percent. That's a big jump from 2016. Just wasn't enough because Joe Biden, you know, grew, uh, the the Democrat vote even more. Um, so put it in perspective. Um, and I have some numbers here. Hang on, bear with me. In 2008, Barack Obama uh, won about 69 and a half million votes. Uh, this is the popular vote. And that shrunk. His reelection bid in 2012, he actually lost votes. Four million less people voted for him for his reelection in 2012. So Donald Trump running for re-election um he didn't lose any votes he grew his votes he went from uh almost 63 million to uh so far he's almost at 71 million i have um and votes are still coming in i mean we're almost done counting but not not all the way yet so, you know, there is this argument that Trump did everything right. It just went against him anyway in the end. You, you know, he was able to bring in 12% more people. I mean, that, there is something to be said about that. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, uh, I think it's pretty rare, actually, for a sitting president to grow their base come re-election. So, yeah, that's huge. Well, well George Bush... Um, I didn't go past George Bush, but in 2004, uh, he actually grew his his share of the vote um, by almost 23%. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're, he, you're totally he right. Had, yeah, I, he had a very big jump. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was you know on the heels of, uh, well, the war on terror and September 11th. So yeah, yeah. that it really made sense mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was really like shortly after his re-election, people started hating yeah. him. <laughs> they got tired of the war, fatigue set yeah. in, and it was kind of downhill for his popularity yeah. from there. Um, um, all right, where should we go from here? I don't know, man. I think I think that might be it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that was a uh, that was fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess uh, guess we'll be back next week. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure don't to don't forget like, to like, like, dislike, share, subscribe. Dislike. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, sharing. If you if you really want if you really enjoy our content, and want to help us the most, please share us on social media, whatever platform is your favorite. That would uh, we would appreciate the hell out of it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye, everybody.